0: If you enjoy our podcast, please consider supporting Glass Tire. All of the money we raise, since we are a nonprofit, goes right back into our coverage of Texas's art and artists. Our coverage is supported thanks to readers and listeners like you. If you would like to contribute, you can do so at glasstire.com forward slash donate. Thanks so much and enjoy today's show. Hello, and welcome to Art Dirt. This is the Glass Tire Podcast, where we talk about topical art topics. I'm William Saradet.
1: I'm Andrea Tostin.
0: And today, we're at the Dallas Public Library. Thank you for taking the time to meet me here, Andrea. Um, Thanks
1: for having me. Totally.
0: And we are making good on a promise I made to you that we would sit down and chat about uh, the trajectory of your career given your recent position um, at the Oak Cliff Cultural Center, which you took on, I believe it was around February of this year.
1: That's right, because of the snowstorm that was uh, towards the end of January, my start date got pushed a little bit, and so I ended up starting in February.
0: I remember that snowstorm (laughs) very well. Um, So I'm excited to get into that, but first we'll just set up your bio for the listener. Um, Andrea is an artist that works with paper materials, calligraphy, um, works on paper. Fill in the blanks. Am I missing anything?
1: Mm, I've dabbled a little bit in paper sculpture or origami, otherwise known as origami, (laughs) and have uh, started down an exploration of... um, kind of rudimentary, uh, animation, flip books, zootropes, thaumatropes. Um, and I'm excited. I'm going to be taking a direct animation class at, um, the Austin film school in a few weeks. Um, I was inspired by hearing, uh, Jatavia Gary speak, um, at an opening, a press release opening at the DMA of her show. Um, I know it was the blood, I believe, and she talked about using that technique, and that's it, but not to go off on a tangent. (laughs) Well,
0: that's a good point because I was, you know, sort of preparing for this discussion. I was thinking how to describe you, and I was like, well, you know, your show at the South Dallas Cultural Center um, featured some really beautiful, uh, perfectly practiced calligraphy. And so because it's the most recent thing, I'm like, oh, Andrea's a calligrapher, which I know you are. (laughs) Um, But then I was like, oh yeah, I wrote about your exhibition at Terrain Dallas, which is Iris Bechtel's kind of private exhibition program that she does personally. Um, And those were origami paper sculptures that were sort of like intentionally exposed to the elements as all of the programming at Terrain Dallas is. so it's just, I was trying to find the connections and the through points. And you do work with paper a lot. Um, and given that my education is printmaking, you're like using paper about as much as a printmaker would. But you're kind of always finding different ways to interact with it. And now, given that you're working on an animation education.
1: Yeah, I, I really do. Um enjoy exploring all the different ways that I can, um, present works on paper. And, um, with the origami, uh, I think that was just another way for me to also, um, explore the tactile nature, um, that simultaneous feeling that paper is at once very strong, but also really delicate. I love that, um, because it reflects the, um, ephemeral nature of moments, but also the lasting memories, lasting histories. Um, So it dovetails nicely with uh, the subject matter that I'm often, uh, often addressing in my work.
0: I just mentioned a couple exhibitions that I saw in which I saw your work the South Dallas Cultural Center, as well as Terrain Dallas. And you've exhibited at many other spots within Dallas. And I want to say across the state, is that right?
1: Galveston um, with Dennis Nance. I was uh, just so blown away and honored to be invited by Dennis Nance to present and going through a a phrase, I want to say face going through a phrase with a wonderful group of uh, people who just happen to be women uh, who are also text-based artists. Fantastic show.
0: I saw the press release. I can, I can imagine what it looked like. I've been to that space. Um, I was looking at uh, an artist statement. I want to say it was from your most recent exhibition. And just to kind of look to you for how you would regard the themes that you're working with in your in your art practice. And correct me, uh, but the three that stuck out to me were social constructs, binary thinking, and language in general. Am I on the right track there?
1: Yes, totally. I um well uh going back, well, as we were talking about, I um I'm a text based artist and so um, I incorporate my calligraphy into my work, and um, so language is important to me. And then thinking in terms of my ethnic background, my racial background, my, uh, my ethnicity uh, includes um, Creole uh, from my dad's side, being from Louisiana, and Jamaican, my mom's side being from Jamaica. And uh, so I'm black on both sides that's my racial um, background. And um, language is important in American history in particular, just given all of the different um, ethnicities that make up our society, um, English being um, forced upon uh, uh, many different peoples including people of African descent that were enslaved and had all these different um, African tribes being forced together. And I have recently been going down a path of studying Obia, uh, the African spiritual practice out of Jamaica, and Voodoo, the African spiritual practice out of Louisiana. And in those studies, um, I've discovered the importance of religion, language, um, just all types of cultural elements. And so that's where it just all gets wrapped up in there.
0: I'm, as you're describing this, I'm remembering, uh, the exhibition you had at Erin Cluley Projects, yes. which is also in Dallas. And, um, that similar to your show at the South Dallas Cultural Center a lot of that work was a lot of graphite calligraphy um, and in the Aaron Cluley Projects exhibition you from what I remember you were displaying words that kind of stratify uh, descriptions of human pigmentation and the implication was like that there's just an infinite number of granular ways that we have constructed to refer to skin color. And those things are like almost always heavily uh, influenced by place and like regional culture. And, you know, they, they just imply that culture is constantly being translated.
1: No, that's right. Um, uh, I was focusing more on my Louisiana background um, for that exhibition called Griff. And I, I had just finished reading a couple of books at that time. Um, the Magic of Marie Laveau by Denise Alvarado. I, I could be getting her name wrong. I hope I'm not, but I think that's correct. And in that book, uh, the author did include some spells and recipes and things of that nature. And um, so I let one of the spells that I saw in that book and and some other uh, books about Marie Laveau that I saw um, inform the um, composition of those pieces. And um, Louisiana, they still have a lot of laws on the books about um, miscegenation. Uh, Given the history of uh, the Spanish and the French and uh, the Americans uh, being over that territory in the past and, uh, of course, America to this day, um, there were a lot of laws that were put on the books to, um, um, looking for the right word, uh, control, contain, um, direct the, um, black people, um, enslaved and free people of color in that area and, and across other parts of the United States, but just to stay focused <laughs> and focus myself, I'm, I'm mainly just focusing on my own family histories and, um, so in those misogynation laws, you find the combination of the effects of economic interest, um, white supremacy, and patriarchy. And so these uh, social constructs and social constructs, I'll leave it at that, um, just really uh, all Uh, came together in informing um, the words that I chose to put into those pieces.
0: In my notes, I have a question to ask you about where you learned calligraphy. Um, And maybe you're one of those people that taught it themselves, uh, taught it to themselves. But um, one reason I bring it up is because in college, I knew someone who was Uh, a part of the Dallas Calligraphers Association or Society, something like that. And I think seeing your work, uh, for me, it's really rewarding because not only is it like exquisitely applied calligraphic talent and uh, skill, it's very obvious that you've worked on this a lot. Um, You're also applying it in a way that is, obviously conceptual art it's uh aesthetically it's a little more interesting than just seeing words on uh written on a page which is still beautiful so I just wanted to know um for myself where did you figure out how to do this and what styles were you drawn to what did you glean from studying this
1: well at first I took my first calligraphy class when I was in middle school and um, we had these things called mini courses, which now I imagine that they were trying to give the teachers a morale boost. And we're like, hey, you could teach a student something you're interested in. I'm sure they were like, well, you could also just pay me more. That would be nice, but OK. And so, <laughs> and so I remember I took um, calligraphy and I took French and French. Um, our calligraphy teacher started us out with uh, the Elegant Writer markers, just those chisel tip markers. I think you can still get them at like, Michael's, stuff like that. And um, I fell in love with it. I mean, I always really tried to have really nice handwriting. We, um, The first cursive style I learned in school was Danilian, like in the second or third grade. And so I always was drawn to trying to perfect my handwriting and then um, maybe back in no, I mean I kept practicing the italic style that was the uh, style that uh, my middle school teacher started us out with and then eventually after college sometime I'm trying to place the year when I started I think it was like 2010 or something that I started taking calligraphy again and uh my teacher then the Susie Melissa Cherry and she uh, teaches continuing ed classes out of SMU and she showed us all types of styles um the broad tipped nib styles like italic gothic um, um, what you think of as old english or black letter Also, script styles uh, like copper plate or round hand. Um, And I just went on to keep practicing, taking classes from other calligraphers in town. Um, Lindsay Wright was a a teacher I took classes from. She has a beautiful hand. Um, I took some online classes over The pandemic lockdown time, that's one of the blessings I feel like came out of the pandemic is the Zoom classes I never would have been able to take uh, flying to L.A. or New York or or wherever. And um, yeah, and then I I just try to continue to practice whenever I can now.
0: Well, I will have to have you back another time to talk exclusively about typography and um, calligraphy because I feel like you could talk about it for hours and hours, and I could certainly listen to it. So, <laughs> But instead, today, as I mentioned at the top of the episode, we kind of have run into each other a couple times. We're both in Dallas, and you exhibit a lot. You go to a lot of shows. Um, and you had tipped me off that you got a new position at the Oak Cliff Cultural Center, in Dallas, we sometimes colloquially call that OC3. So if you hear that come up, we're talking about the same thing. And, you know, for a couple months, a few months, the position was either upcoming or you were like, I'm just barely even, you know, I've barely even put my coat on the rack. Like we need to (laughs) wait a couple minutes. Um, so here we are summer 2023. And I just, uh, wanted to give you the space to talk about um what you're excited about at the center it's a great location on jefferson boulevard it serves the community um y'all have all kinds of programs and they have for a long time i've seen exhibitions there i'm sure you have lots of colleagues and friends that have done programming through there so the idea that your um Programming at the space now feels really close to home. Um, and I mean, I'm happy that Dallas has the opportunity to give you that position. Um, so yeah, I guess my first thought is like, has there been a transition from being an artist to, I would say administrator, but I don't know how you feel about it.
1: It is an administrative position uh, in many ways, but I, mm, well, I was working at the book doctor for almost 10 years and loved it there. Um, Shout out to Candace and Brian, Jessica and Daryl, (laughs) wonderful colleagues. And now I work with Rafael Tamayo, he's my manager. And Iris Bechtel, who we mentioned earlier, um, early, early supporter of my work and super excited to be working with the both of them. And I um, had actually exhibited work um, there with my uh, friend uh, James or Jazz Martis uh, at the Oak Cliff Cultural Center. And I. Um, yeah, it's wonderful to be working there now. There has been a transition. As a matter of fact, I have given myself um, the um, the instructions to only allow for very little outside projects. Like I um, am not doing outside calligraphy um, uh, commissions right now. I'm not really teaching right now. I'm only allowing for working at the Oak Cliff Cultural Center and um, doing this collaboration with my friend, Elisa Banks. We're doing um, an art project based on Louisiana Creole and Jamaican nation language and trying to figure out how to um, hopscotch my art practice back into the mix. The work entails a lot more of my executive functioning skills like planning and answering emails and um, having meetings Um, and so it is different. It's a it's a different um, way of operating on a daily basis but I uh, fully intend to continue to create and um, I'm so excited to have uh, just finished participating in an exhibition uh, curated by Aaron Stafford and Hyde Fontenot over at Kirk Hopper. The ATM show Um, uh, was a, a wonderful experience.
0: And that's ATM as in artists talk movies, which is a podcast that Hyde and Erin um, still produce. They record with each other. They usually have a guest on and talk about film. Yes. Go figure.
1: Yes, oh, and and I had the pleasure of being on that show, hence uh, being able to be in the group show, the visual art.
0: I'm glad to hear that you still plan to continue your artist practice um, and I I know what it's like to have administrative obligations um, it's interesting to think about uh, at least for me you being in this transitionary period into full-time administrating a cultural program for I should point out it's one of the galleries one of the cultural centers uh, that's run by the city, Mm -hmm. um, which is so important for our city to have places where people can go to pursue cultural exploits or see them and just know that that's happening in their city. We're in the Dallas Public Library right now, and, you know, it's just a massive resource to us, and you're a part of that now. Sometimes I think my administrative experience, while it has paused certain creative output I used to have, you know, we're human beings, we like grow and change. So years later, I'll like, you know, just run, I'll be kind of doing a productivity task and then I'll be like, oh my gosh, this is like... This is how I need to run that drawing program I was going to (laughs) do, you know, like, I wonder if you, you're, again, it's only been like February since you've been working in this capacity. So I feel like the first year is always a big lesson in general. Um,
1: I really, I'm excited because I feel like this is the right time for me to have gotten this position because with everything that's going on, I feel like community is imperative. And I did start to feel myself um, get a little caught up in um, not necessarily feeling hopeless, but sometimes starting to get a little overly worried that maybe it's too late for some things like the earth or or, um, to make adjustments to what I like to call the unholy trinity of um, capitalism, white supremacy, and patriarchy. But um, in starting this position, I really feel like I'm now able to have my work organically be a part of what we need to be doing to be in community with one another in a way that is joyful and um, hopeful uh, at the same time that it moves us forward, not to be so binary about it, but (laughs) Um yeah, it just gets us in community in, in a joyful way that will um help keep our imaginations active so that we can reimagine um how we're operating society. Because I I can feel um and see and um on all kinds of levels, um cognitively I, I can see that most of us are not excited about how things are going. I
0: keep mentioning that, you know, you're in the first year uh, of this of this position. And I apologize for like overemphasizing that. Um, it's just that I feel like it's taken me X number of years to get into a really comprehensive annual routine. Um, and by that, I just mean that like, at any point in the year, if you can project what you will probably be doing, mm-hmm. it reflects a sense of wisdom <laughs> and experience. So, year one of uh, doing programming for a cultural center for the city of Dallas um, is feels like a really exciting time. I wonder what's in your imagination for how you, having been a long time creative Dallas resident what you're like thinking that you can and will contribute to the community, the cultural community of Dallas.
1: I'll answer that by talking about what I've come in with so far. We started off with um, spring break camp and Tierra Francois, uh, came and did a fantastic job with the students. Um, she's a painter and um, and so much more. I, I hesitate to call her um, just a painter, but um, she uh, is just a, an amazing artist. And I was uh, happy to be able to invite her to run that spring break camp. Next, we had um, Danielle Ellis come through and give a presentation about queer spirituality that was really great. And um, then we had a free comic book day. That was really fun. Um, we had uh, Collie Mars come and perform. Danielle Ellis is actually the one that um, introduced me to... Kali Mars through her queer uh, spirituality presentation. Their music was um, uh, featured on um, one of the slides in the presentation. And then um, from the beginning, when I first came in, I was like, this is the 50th year of hip hop. We could have to do something. So um, in August, there's going to be uh, the equivalent of a festival activities we're going to be uh collaborating with the South Dallas Cultural Center the Bathhouse Cultural Center uh Dallas Public Library the main one um and uh Texas Theater it's so awesome to be right next door to the Texas Theater and um uh we're going to uh have uh DJ Easy Eddie D doing a panel discussion with some surprise guests. Um, Battlegrounds is going to um, host some uh, open style and breaking battles, and uh, Money Waters is going to perform with DJ Leo J on the ones and twos. And so uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be so fun. I can't wait.
0: You listed off that bill like so effortlessly. Um, so OC three has a professional on their hands, someone who can put someone on the poster and then recite them all uh, top to bottom. That's that's great. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, you know, I mean, as artists, we um, we have to uh, conceptualize our our own shows and. Um, do talks and, and, um, lots of programming around our own shows. And then I, am a mother. Um, I mean, my oldest is a grown man now and my youngest, they're, they're super talented. Um, uh, but, um, there's a lot of planning, um, that's entailed in, uh, being a mother. And, um, so, uh, uh, yeah, I, I came to the table with uh, <laughs> a particular set of skills.
0: <laughs> you know, there's going to be some people listening to this who maybe are looking for ways to get their work out there to be seen and also to make connections. Because let's face it, that's how this art economy thrives. We mm-hmm. all help each other. Yeah. Um, so... Being that I have a city worker in front of me, someone who both will see a lot of work, um, promote a lot of work this year, and deal with a lot of different people, um, I wanted to ask you, even even if it's, you know, uh, year one, um, what kind of artists do you love working with?
1: Well definitely artists that like to be in collective because like I mentioned earlier uh it's imperative that we are in community um and I mean I, off the top of my head I would say that's the the first thing that comes to mind and the main thing that comes to mind um since I'm curating mainly the multi-purpose space um, and Iris is curating mainly the, uh, visual arts gallery. Uh, well, it's all hands on deck though at OC3. Um, but, um, the purpose space will host music, will host poetry, will host visual arts, uh, will host dance, um, uh, Camps, like I mentioned before, Um, right now we have a School of Yes camp going on in uh, both the gallery and the multi-purpose space. Um, So, yeah, artists that uh, is in collective and in community, Uh, it's gonna be great. As I I really see, um, my main uh, point of being in my position is to get city dollars into artists' hands, public hands.
0: And with that, we are going to wrap up this conversation today with Andrea Tostin, the Cultural Programs Coordinator at the Oak Cliff Cultural Center. Thank you for speaking with us today, Andrea.
1: Thanks again for having me. It was a pleasure.
0: And we'll be back in two weeks with another episode of Art Dirt In the meantime, please be sure to check our statewide exhibition and events calendar. And if you can, go see some art.
1: Go see some art.
0: This podcast was recorded by Glass Tire and edited by William Saradet. Copyright Glass Tire 2023.